Here we are on New Hope Radio. Oh, so good to be with you today. We got a new topic coming up, a new series. And today we're going to introduce Jesus. That's all we're going to do. We're actually going to do a unique kind of a study. We're going to go through some of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to look at only the words that Jesus spoke. You say, well, how do you know what Jesus spoke? They're in red. <laughs> but that's all we're going to look at. We're not going to look at what Mark said. We're only going to look at the things that Jesus said. I think that'll be a pretty good approach to studying this gospel. Because the things that somebody says, well, they're really important to them, right? So I say that the things that Jesus said, they were very important to him. So I call this series Walking with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And we're going to listen to him speak. He's going to speak to his disciples. He's going to speak to the crowds. But because God's word is eternal, remember, he's also speaking to us as well. Can't forget that, okay? He's speaking to all of us. Very important. Okay, so let's begin. Oh, and sometimes in the series, you know what? He's speaking to his father. So he talks to the disciples. He talks to the crowd. He talks to his father. And he's also talking to us. So that's why you got to listen. He would often say, he that has ears, let him hear. And I hope your ears are on today so you can hear what Jesus said. So I believe that if we just focus on what he said, we may get a whole new perspective on what's really important. So we begin in chapter one. Jesus is coming out of the wilderness. We're going to do a chapter a day. He's coming out of the wilderness. Remember that 40-day experience where he fasted and he was tempted by the devil? And the first thing that we hear Jesus saying in Mark, really, is in verse 15. Here's what he said. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Boom. First words he spoke in Mark's gospel. Very important, wouldn't you say? The time is fulfilled. In other words, here I am. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's me. So repent and believe in the gospel. So here, Jesus is establishing his priorities. What are they? Number one, the Messiah has finally arrived. Number two, the reign of sin will be destroyed. Number three, it's time for men's hearts to change. And number four, listen to the good news. These are the four priorities. So because of all this, the next thing Jesus said, we find him speaking in verse 17. He said, follow me and I'll make you become fishes of men. Isn't that interesting? The first time he speaks, he talks about the kingdom and his mission. Then the second time he speaks, he says, now come with me. If you really believe in what I say, come with me. Notice how direct Jesus is with his command. You know, he's not fooling around. Not He's saying, leave where you are and come to where I'm going. 
This is a process. It's a process of becoming. Okay? Follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. The word become, it's the word ginomai. And it means to come into being. Okay? It's like coming into being something that you were not before. It's a process. The process of becoming. And Jesus is saying, come with me and you will begin to learn to fish for the souls of men. See, when God calls you into service, he's also calling you into a process of change. You know what that's called? Sanctification. Sanctification is God working in your life to make you like Christ. So, this presents a twofold question. Number one, are you following him? Remember I said Jesus addresses the disciples, the crowd, the Father, and us, the readers. So, we're in this too. Are you following him? Number two, are you becoming a fisher of men's souls? Are you changing? Are you in the process of reestablishing your priorities? Because that's what happens. When you become a fisher of men's souls, your priorities get rearranged. I mean, think about the disciples, right? Their priority was catch fish. But once they started following Jesus, they had a new priority, catch men, the souls of men. How often we think of Christianity as just going to church. Some of you, that's all it is to you, right? Yeah, I go to church. Okay. Let me tell you, it's much more than that. Actually, church is the preparation to live out our Christianity. We go to church to get equipped, to get prepared. And then when we leave the church doors, now we're living our Christianity. That's when the rubber hits the road. Okay? So, fishing for men's souls is a huge part of our calling. Now, the next recorded thing that Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, verse 25, he said, Be quiet and come out of him. Why do you say that? Be quiet and come out of him. I want to tell you something. In this series, we're going to see the things that Jesus said and why he said them. And everything that he says, it's intended to make an impact. Oh, yes, he's a very impactful speaker. So soon Jesus went to church, the synagogue. It was a Sabbath day, a Saturday. And suddenly a demon-possessed man cried out to Jesus. Now, demon possession seemed to be very common in the days of Jesus. Seems like more than today. And I wonder if it's because Jesus was on the earth and it was Satan's attempt to maybe foil his ministry, right? So when the man came into the synagogue, Jesus said to the man, be quiet and come out of him. Of course, he's speaking to the demon inside. And now this tells us a few things about Jesus. Number one, he has complete authority over demons. He does. Complete authority for him to command that demon or how many there were in him, he had the authority. Number two, he understands their mission to torment mankind. That's the mission of the demon, to torment us. Number three, he uses his ability to exorcise demons, to cast them out. Why? To bring attention to his ministry. 
He needed to demonstrate that he was the Son of God. So the miracles that he did gave evidence that he was the Son of God. Okay? So now the next thing Jesus says is all the way up in verse 38. He said, Let us go somewhere else in the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. Wow. Jesus is not content to stay in one place. He didn't build a big church and have everybody come to him. No. He knows that the people won't come to him. At least not right now. So he must go to the people. So he goes from town to town. And why is he going? To preach the gospel. He said, this is why I came. I came to bring good good news. This is his mission. And because that's his mission, all mankind is lost. That's evidence that we are lost for Jesus to come. Oh, he left heaven, came down to earth. He worked miracles to prove he was the son of God. And he preached a message to tell us we're lost. We're all in trouble. And you don't want to die without Christ. That's why he came. He came so we wouldn't die without him, but he would die for us. So what a beautiful comment that he made. Let's go somewhere else that I may preach there also. For that is why I came. Now the next verse tells us that he was also casting out demons. See, in his mission, we learn three things about Jesus. That's what I love about the statements. We can really look into the heart of Jesus as to why he said what he said. So what can we learn about him? What more can we learn about his mission? He never separated words and actions. He didn't. Starting a work was not the same as finishing it. Did you ever do that? Start something and don't finish it? We all have. You start a diet, you don't finish it. You start an exercise program, you don't finish it. You start a class, a school, you don't finish it. Oh, there are so many things we start and we don't finish, right? You start a project around the yard, you don't finish it. But Jesus wasn't like that. He finished everything he started. So in order for that to happen, preaching must be accompanied by doing. That's what we see. He never separated what he said from what he did. Secondly, he never separated the soul, the value of the soul, from the value of the body. See, ministry is not the soul without the body. And it's not the body without the soul. I like the way William Barclay put it. He said, The task of Christianity is to redeem the whole man and not just a part of him. Okay? So the Apostle James, he tells us too in James 2.15, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you don't give them what they need? What good is that? That's no good. He said, even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being by itself. So God is interested in the physical body. We know the body will die and go on the ground. But while we're alive, ministry ministers to the body as well as it ministers to the soul. And that is why Jesus healed the leopard, healed the deaf, healed the lame, healed the blind healed people with all kinds of diseases because he ministered to the whole 
person. Okay, he didn't separate the soul from the body. So he didn't separate his words from his works. He didn't separate the soul from the body. And thirdly, he never separated earth and heaven. Okay? His his ministry, his preaching, it wasn't just about heaven. And it wasn't just about the earth. We need them both, don't we? Because, you see, there's an eternal aspect to life. So, yeah, we live on the earth and we're here, but there's an eternal aspect to who we are, and that's therefore we have to be concerned with both of them. A leper came to Jesus and asked him if he would heal him. And the last comments that we have by Jesus begin in verse 41. He said, I am willing, be cleansed. Now, let's combine this with verse 44. He said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So what's he saying? Yes, I healed you of your leprosy, but you still have a spiritual responsibility. So in Leviticus, you have to go show yourself to the priest, make an offering, and the priest can pronounce you clean. So Jesus didn't like heal him and say, okay, buddy, you're on your own. Have a nice life. No, he followed through with the spiritual responsibilities as well. And I want you to think about your own life. Yes, we are born again. We're saved by the blood of Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. But that doesn't relieve us of our spiritual responsibilities, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, to share the gospel with others, to discover and utilize our spiritual gifts. We're not relieved of those things. You know, we're not lone ranger Christians. We're like, okay, I'm saved. Leave me alone. No, we're called to assemble together for the public reading of the scriptures, for public worship. You see, that we are the body of Christ. So we're free, but at the same time, we have these spiritual responsibilities that God has given us. All that Jesus is saying. And we need to be mindful of those things. So here's this leper. He had just come to Jesus and he sought a healing. And Jesus said to him, stretch out your hand. And he did. And something that would amaze everyone. You know what Jesus did? He touched him. Yeah, he touched him, and the man was immediately healed. Now, wait a minute. You don't touch lepers in those days. You don't talk to them. You don't walk by them. Jesus did it all. So there's more. Here's three more things that we learn about the healing ministry of Jesus. Number one, he did not drive away the man who had broken the law. He broke the law. What did he do? He came close to Jesus. You're not supposed to come close to people when you have leprosy. He did. Can't be near another person. You have to cover your mouth and say unclean, unclean and cross the street. He went right up to Jesus and Jesus didn't turn him away. Wow. We learned secondly that Jesus touched a man who no one else would ever touch. Are you kidding? He'd be like, get away from me. Jesus touched him. He didn't have to, but he did it. Why? To show compassion. 
to show that man that he was valuable, that he wasn't just a number in God's creation, but he was a human being made in the image of God. And Jesus touched him to affirm him, to send a message of love to him, that you're important. That's part of the healing too. And then the third thing we learn, he sent the man to follow the instructions of someone that was healed of leprosy, right? He didn't just let him go. He said, no, go show yourself to the priest. So though healed by God, Jesus still submitted to the law of Leviticus 14. See, Jesus put himself, doesn't the Bible say he was born under the law? He didn't violate his own law. Oh no, he didn't do that. He subjected himself to the law of God. Because Jesus didn't take shortcuts. You know, he didn't, he didn't sneak by like, well, I'm God. I don't have to submit to certain things that you humans do. No, he operated as a human being, as a member of the human race. He operated just like us. He didn't defeat the devil as, as God. He defeated the devil as a man, a man with phenomenal faith in a tight relationship with his father. That's how he defeated him. So now, We have just walked with Jesus through the first chapter of Mark's gospel. And we listened to the things that he said. So what I want to do, I'm going to go back and I want you to listen to Jesus' words only one more time. I'm just going to read the words that he said with no commentary. And let's see what it means. Okay, here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 1. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Follow me, and I'll make you become fishes of men. Be quiet and come out of him. And let us go somewhere else, to the towns nearby, so that I may preach there also. For that is what I came for. I am willing Be cleansed. See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So think about it. You know what a good exercise would be? Pick a gospel, and maybe mock, because that's what we're studying, and just read the words of Jesus. Let him speak to you. Let him talk to you. Sometimes just the words of Christ, you know, without all that background commentary, which we need because it does explain why he said what he said. But I think that would be a good exercise, don't you? To just read what Jesus said. And the more knowledge of his word that you have, the more you'll glean from it. Because his word is alive and powerful, right? Sharper than any two-edged sword. Oh, yes, it is. Piercing to the soul and the spirit. It knows our hearts, it reads our mind, knows our intentions. So just reading the words in red, maybe a chapter a day, that's all. Pick a gospel. Of course, you have to have a Bible that has red ink and get one. Because I'll tell you what, there's something. Imagine you would be in a personal conversation with Christ. He's speaking to you. And maybe some of the things that he says, well, for right now, you might not comprehend them because of your situation. 
but guaranteed, they're going to have a deep meaning for you. They will impact you because they're the words of Christ. I mean, think about what means something to him. What, what do you think is important to him? Well, the first thing he said was, I got to preach the gospel. It's all about the good news. Jesus wants people to hear the good news. Why is it some people think the gospel's bad news? I'm like, I don't know. What are they listening to? It's not bad news. It's great news. Believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. What's wrong with that? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What's so wrong with that? That whoever believes in him will never perish. What's wrong with that? But they'll have everlasting life. What's wrong with that? I don't see a problem in that scripture. And yet some people, you start to read it and boom, they shut down. Oh, why? Maybe it's those demons. Maybe it's the demons, and that's why. That's why the the words of Christ are more powerful than anything that a demon can do. So much more powerful. Think about that. You know what else I'm going to ask you to do? That's a good exercise. Do that. Read a chapter a day, just the words in red. We are coming through in the southern part of our country, a tremendous hurricane that struck the Caribbean, um, Puerto Rico, Fiona, and now Ian, right through Florida. And it's leaving at this time. But man, there's an aftermath. There's an aftermath from the hurricane. And I just want you to remember in your prayer life to pray for those. So many people lost their homes. They lost their churches. They lost their businesses. Some might have lost loved ones, lost pets. They lost their jobs. They lost their cars. Oh, a lot of loss. Right now, they lost power. Difficult. People need electricity, especially for medical reasons, equipment, things like that refrigerators, so many things. And we need to be prayerful. We need to be on our knees for them. If you believe in prayer, then pray. If you don't believe in prayer, don't pray. But if you believe in prayer, pray. Because prayer changes things. It does. And many of them are born-again believers. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. God loves them. And you know what? Many of them are far from God. And God loves them too. He loves them all. God so loves the whole world, right? So we need to pray for them. You'd want them to pray for you if it hit you. So we need to pray and ask God to keep them strong, keep their faith strong. If you don't know anyone there, pray by city. Pray by town. Lift up the towns. Lift up Orlando. Lift up Tampa. Lift up Fort Myers and Naples. Lift up so many cities that are there and little towns. And you might know someone there. Pray for those people. And those specific areas, Port Charlotte, Clearwater. Oh, it goes on and on and on. Punta Gorda. Goes on and on. Millions of people feeling the effects of that. And you know, when, when nature comes, we are so helpless. We really are. We don't have the power to withstand these natural forces. We really don't. But we do have a weapon. Prayer. That's the greatest power. God has given us prayer as a gift. So he says, use it. You know, it's like a motor on a boat. If you don't use the motor, the boat's going to drift. What good is it? Well, prayer is our power. So let's pray. Let's pray for them every day, every night. Just when you're driving in your car, just lift them up. Say, God, oh, 
Bless these people in Fort Myers. Bless these people in Naples. Bless these people in Tampa. Help them. Help them to, to get their lives back in order again. Help them in their grief, in their sorrow, in their, in their loss. You know, a lot of folks aren't going to church this Sunday because their church is washed away or it's flooded. Their pastor's not going to get a salary. People aren't going to be able to worship. It's going to be, you know, the, that doesn't make the media. It doesn't. What happens in the churches? They're not interested in that. But there's a lot of ramifications when it hits the church. It affects the church staff that make a living there and the people that love their church and they want to worship God and fellowship together and study together. And well, that's gone in many, many places, many places. You know, Marco Island, it's a big, beautiful church there. Not sure what happened, but I'm pretty convinced they got flooded and uh, so many others. So let's keep them in our prayers. Okay, it's this aftermath is going to last quite a while. It's not going anywhere. It's going to take a long time to clean up the mess and for people to restore their lives, their homes, their jobs, their churches. So let's use the greatest powerful weapon that God has given on their behalf and pray. Pray for them because they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And those that are not, hey, they're made in the image of God as well. So we need to be on our knees. Just be ever mindful of each and every one. And make some phone calls. If you know people there, call them up. How you doing? Ask them. How you doing? Did you make it through? Some don't even have cell service. So that's what we can do for them, even though we're a thousand miles away. Isn't that great about prayer? It's not limited by distance. Nope. Goes up to heaven and back down to earth. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal God gave us, I would say. Hey, don't forget about the Hope Club podcast. You can catch these messages later on at the Hope Club podcast. Listen to them again and again on the way to work, on the way home. Fill your soul with the Word of God. Build your faith with the Word of God. Don't forget to join the Hope Club. Oh, we need you. Get a devotional in your email box every Monday through Friday. Go to newhoperadio.live. Click the menu bar. You can read a little bit about how to join. You give us $3 a week and we send you that devotional Monday through Friday, and that helps pay our radio bills. Believe it or not, that's three bucks a week by everybody. Really keeps us here going, okay? So thank you for coming along. Keep praying, and we'll see you next time.